Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is fantastic to see you on this Valentine's Day. I want to tell you, I'm so happy that you are here as we continue in our Multiply series. What we've been doing is we've been taking the call of Jesus on our church to take his message, his ministry, his mission. He calls us to multiply that throughout the world. And today, we're going to continue in that series by talking about a very important issue. We're talking about who actually gets to be called the people of God. In fact, we have an outline for our message this morning. It's a light blue sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. All the verses from the Bible that we'll be looking at today are printed there for you, and there's a place to take some notes if that is helpful for you. Now, did you know that on this very special Valentine's Day, do you know that people all over the world are actually like they're spending money, they're putting time and attention and planning, and they're trying to find creative and connecting ways to say, I love you to that very special person in their lives. And some people, they'll go old school. And they'll use like flowers and chocolate to kind of get the message across. Some people will go even a little bit more and they'll invest some hard-earned cash and they'll actually buy jewelry or expensive perfume to get the message out to say, I love you. Some people, like the artsy kind of people, they'll actually go as far as to write a song or a, a love poem to somebody. In fact, I came across this very beautiful Valentine's Day poem that goes like this. Roses are red and violets are blue. She's for me and not for you. But if by chance you take my place, I'll take my fist and smash your face. (laughs) You know, lovely, right? Just just lovely. So some people will use poems and love songs. Uh, You know, last year, my wife did something very meaningful to me. In fact, I kept it for for over a year, she, she made this homemade Valentine's card. Remember this? I shared it last year. I, I just, it, it touched me so deeply. I want to share it again. She took those little Valentine candies. You know, you got a box when you came in, right? The kind of candy that tastes like chalk, you know, that, that have little messages on. Well, she took the candies and she wrote me a note and it says this, to Paul, my love bug. She calls me a love, that's cute, right? Maybe because I bug her with, okay. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you know how much I love you. Now, check this out. You are my soulmate, and I'm so thankful that you are all mine, you hottie. Says it right there. Guys, it's official. You need to know your pastor is officially a hottie. So you just... Thank you for all the cheer you bring to my life. You are and always will be my true love. Hugs and kisses. Now, now here's the deal. Why am I sharing that? Like, why would I keep this card for over a year? I mean, more than that. Why would I tape it to my office door for all to see every day, like in and out? Why is this so important to me? Can I tell you why? Because, guys, this is proof. This is evidence. This is proof that there is an amazing, smart, funny, beautiful lady who actually loves me with all her heart, and she gave me this to prove that she loves me. Now, I'm saying all this because 
whether you realize it or not, whether you knew it or not, did you know that God has his own personal valentine that he wrote just for you? But he didn't write it with little chalk-tasty candies. He actually wrote it on top of your outline. If you look at it, here's God's love letter, his message, the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. This is God's valentine to you where it says this, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave, like as proof, to prove to you how much you matter, to, to prove to you how much God loves you. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, would you underline, for God so loved the world. And what says the world, he's not talking about the earth or the planet. He's talking about what he really loves more than anything else. He's talking about all the people of the world. All the people, like like the people in Africa or Europe or South America or China or Russia or America, all the people. But but let's, let's bring it down to you and me. Because where it, where it says the world, do you see that little line I put above the world? Let me encourage you, write your name right there. Write your, because this is God's valentine to you. For God so loved Paul, or God so loved Lambert, or Selena, or Brian, or Jenny, or Marie. God so loved you, he, he loved you so much that he gave you proof by giving his son to die just for you. This is so key, friends. When it says God gave his son, it means that he gave Jesus to, first of all, be born in a manger, like come to us on our level, grow up to live a perfect sinless life so that he could pay for our sins by dying on the cross so that we can be forgiven, and then he resurrected, showing that we can have the gift of eternal life. Now, this is what I want you to capture here. Because on this Valentine's Day, so many people try to find the perfect way to express their love. But on this weekend, do you know that the greatest expression of true love ever given, would you write this down? The greatest expression of love is the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you, what do you think of when you see a cross? Well, if you see it on top of a building, you probably go, oh, that must be a church. Some people, you see it, they wear it as jewelry, like little earrings or a cross around their neck. And you think, oh, that's a nice, pretty piece of jewelry. But friends, if you go back to the original cross, do you understand that the cross was the cruelest form of execution that the Romans developed when they wanted to publicly humiliate a criminal or an enemy against Rome. The cross was a symbol of death. But here's the deal. What Rome used as a symbol of death and humiliation, God took it, he turned it around, and he made the cross the greatest symbol of sacrifice and mercy, and grace, and hope, and salvation. The cross is the greatest symbol of love because it represents the price that God was willing to pay to have you. Do you, you, do you know you always determine how much something is worth by how much someone's willing to pay for it? In fact, on the screen behind me, I wanted you to see a picture of the graph diamond. 
This is the most expensive diamond in all of history. It's worth $46 million. $46 million for a little trinket that people will wear on their finger. Now, why would a little piece of jewelry be worth $46 million? Because that was what someone was willing to pay for it. That's its value. Now, I wanted you to see that because I want you to know that compared to this ring, friends, that's nothing compared to how much God was willing to pay to have you. In fact, look at this verse on the screen behind me. In 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, it says this. For you know that God paid, that God paid for you. He paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the what? The precious blood of Christ. Like God, he made the choice. See, God allowed evil men to drive nails into the innocent hands and feet of his only son because he would rather have that than to go without you. So he paid the highest price, and here's why. He loves you. You matter that much to God. You are that precious to God, our Heavenly Father, that he paid the highest price, and the greatest symbol of his love was the cross. In fact, check out on your outline, First John Chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, where it says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, would you underline the phrase, he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, can I tell you this? Do you know the early Christians, the early believers in Jesus, they had clarity that God loved them, that Jesus died for their sins. Many of them, they were eyewitnesses. They saw the crucifixion. They saw the resurrection. They had clarity on God's amazing grace and his outrageous love for them. What they didn't have full clarity on was who was all this love really for? In fact, there on your outline where it says this, who is God's love really for? Would you write this down? Acts chapter 10. Because we're doing this study, multiply. It's a study of the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 10 answers this question and finally brings full clarity on who God's love is really for. And this chapter, friends, it's so significant. It is a game-changing chapter because it answers the question in clarity. Who, who does God really love? And who gets to become the people of God? So let's continue in our study of the book of Acts. Let's read Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. It says this. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. He gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision where he saw an angel of God. And the angel replied to Cornelius, 
Your prayers and gift to the poor have been received to God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Now, guys, here's, here's what I want you to see here from this little passage at the beginning of Acts chapter 10. This is so historically significant. This man named Cornelius, he's what I like to call a G-man. You know, a G-man, well, I'm not talking a government man or an FBI agent. But a G-man, I want you to write this down on your outline. First, he was G, like he was a Gentile man. Means he wasn't Jewish, he was from another race. He was Italian, he was a Gentile. Secondly, he was a God-fearing man. Means that Cornelius, he believed in God. He said his prayers. He asked God to bless him and his family and protect him. He, he was a God-fearing man. He is also a G-man because he was generous to the poor. He gave money and resources to help people in need. And then finally, look at Cornelius, this this Gentile, God-fearing, generous man. He was what most of us would call, he he was a good guy. He was a good man. A good man. I think most of us would say, Cornelius, he was a good guy, And I'm saying all this because I want you to capture from the very beginning of Acts chapter 10, listen to me. You can be a good person. You can be generous to the poor. You can even believe in God and say your prayers. But that doesn't mean that you have God's gift of salvation. That's why in the bottom of your outline, I I printed Titus 3, 4, and 5 that explains it this way. He, meaning Jesus, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Underline the phrase, Jesus saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You see, Cornelius, this G-man, this Gentile, God-fearing, generous, good guy, he needed God to do for him something he couldn't do for himself. He needed God to save him. And how did God respond to that need? Check this out. God sent him Peter. God sent him Peter. See, God did that for Cornelius, and he does the same thing for many of you sitting here today. God is doing the very same thing for you. I want you to understand, as you sit here today, God sees you. God knows your heart. God loves you so much that at just the right time, he will send to you just the right person. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a neighbor. Sometimes it's a co-worker. Sometimes it's a total stranger. But at just the right time, God will send just the right person who will introduce you to the love of Jesus Christ. And that person will help you know God's love in a life-changing way. And then when you receive God's love into your life, here's what happens. You take it in, and then you start to pass on the love of Jesus, and then you become that special person, that special link that helps others know the love of Christ. And then it multiplies. It multiplies, just like in this special drama that we've prepared for you called links. Take a look at this. The kids in my class call me Mr. Worm Eater. 
Every year they get a real kick out of it when I introduce myself as Mr. Vermeater. Ew, our teacher's a worm eater. Of course, I have been known to eat a uh, cold spaghetti noodle that first day of class. But, you know, I really love those kids. I've been teaching fifth grade Sunday school for, wow, 18 years now. I can't even imagine not teaching it. You know, kids at that age, they are so open. They're captivated when I tell them stories about Jesus. You know, at first I thought my daughter's Sunday school teacher was some kind of clown. But then, after a few weeks, I started to notice a real change in her. I mean, she was picking up the Bible and reading it unprompted. I would never have done that in fifth grade. And then, one day she overheard me talking to a friend on the phone about how money was tight. And next thing I know, she goes marching out the door, She's mowing the lawns of all our neighbors, and she comes back with like a hundred bucks. She comes in, and she just gave it to me. And she said, you know, Mom, if God will take care of the birds, he's going to take care of us. And that just broke me. My daughter taught me that God loves us, and he cares what happens to us. And it really started to change the way that I looked at other people, the way that I treated them, especially at work. Sandra was always a great employee, but it wasn't until she began going to church with her daughter that she began to influence people in the office. It got to a point where she was holding a Bible study in the mornings once a week, and a lot of people were showing up. And that's when everything changed. The atmosphere. Everyone was just more considerate to one another. The place was just overall more positive. And as I saw this change before my very eyes, I realized I was changing too. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great if we can get together outside of work as a group and do something special. So I challenged the team to volunteer to a sport or a tutoring program for underprivileged kids. And hey, since I'm everyone's boss, you can't work my volunteer hours. <laughs> but you know what? I think I speak for everyone when I say it was a pretty amazing thing. Turning point for me was when Al encouraged us to volunteer one morning a month at the company's tutoring program. At first, I thought I was going to be this great helper to those less fortunate. But then I started seeing the emptiness in my own life. I, I had so much more than these kids, but I wasn't nearly as happy. I, then I realized I was leaving God completely out of the picture. I started seeing that life isn't about how much stuff you have, but rather what you do that's going to outlast you. This summer, I'm getting married. I met my fiance Beth, at the community center where we volunteer. It's hard to imagine I never would have met her if Al hadn't encouraged us to get involved. I'm so excited. This summer, we are getting married. Every, ever since I was a little girl, my dad and I would pray that God would put me with the right man. And Steve is definitely him. It's been so hard over the years staying true to what I know is right. But now I see it's all worth it. And another great thing, I get to change my last name. You would be so excited if your last name was Worm Eater. <laughs> I've been so blessed, fortunate really. We truly have an amazing God. All right.
I thank you, drama team. Do you know, just like that drama, do you understand? This is what was happening in Acts chapter 10. Peter became the link that shared God's love with Cornelius. Then Cornelius became the link that shared God's love with his family. Then his family and servants became the link that shared God's love and it multiplied and multiplied to the fact here we are today, 2,000 years later. Now here's the cool thing about Acts chapter 10. Do you know at the same time that God was working on Cornelius, God was also working on Peter, on Peter's heart, on Peter's life. And what God does for Peter, if you'll turn your outline over, is God gives Peter a disturbing dream. I mean, this, and, and this dream was about, of all things, it was about food. Have you ever had a disturbing dream about food? Like I heard one guy, he had this dream, like in his dream, he ate a giant white marshmallow. And then when he woke up, he couldn't find his pillow. So anyways, it was a, you know, it was a dream. What happened? Let me tell you about the dream. Peter, it was close to lunchtime, and he went on the roof of the house to just have some time to pray. And while he was praying, he, the Bible says he fell into a trance, like he had this vision. And then on your outline, it, or not on your outline, but on the screen behind me, his dream went like this. I'd like to read to you from Acts 10, 10 through 16. It says this, but while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open up and something like a large sheet was let down by the four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. And then I printed the rest of this passage right there on your outline. It says, but the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean that God has made clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Now on your outline, would you underline the phrase, do not call something unclean that God has made clean. And Peter saw this vision like three times. If, if you know a little bit about Peter, the number three was pretty significant for Peter, right? How many times did Peter deny he even knew Christ? Three times. How many times did Jesus ask Peter, Peter, do you love me? Three times. I think Jesus gave Peter this vision three times to kind of really drive home. Hey, Peter, I want you to know this dream is really from me and you really need to pay attention. Now, here's the deal. Peter initially thinks that this vision, this dream is about food, foods that are clean and unclean. But friends, the dream is about so much more than food. It's about faith. It's about our hearts. It's about who God loves and who is allowed to become the people of God. It's about how God sent his son to to change hearts, not people's stomachs. So check it out. In this dream, Peter wouldn't eat these foods because eating them, they would defile him. They would make him unclean, unacceptable to God, because these foods were dietary restrictions placed on the Jewish community. Now, I have to think that seeing this vision three times, it kind of jogs Peter's memory when Jesus actually taught us about food. 
Do you know on the screen behind me in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said these words. He said this. Jesus said, can't you see that the food you put in your body can't, cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart. It only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Then Jesus added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. I think that as Peter was pondering this dream, I, w- I think that he was connecting that Jesus called him not to be a dietitian, but to be a deliverer of the good news. Because just then, as the dream ended, there was a knock on Peter's door. Some men came from Cornelius's house to bring Peter to come preach to them. And the Holy Spirit told Peter, now go with them. And Peter did. And friends, I can't express how important this moment is to you and me. Like it's a game-changing moment that changed history. And whether you realize it or not, it changed your very life. This moment where Peter goes to preach to Cornelius, I want you to see it on your outline. In Acts 10.28, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. And when Cornelius sees him, Cornelius falls down at Peter's feet. I mean, this is a rich, wealthy Roman officer with splendor, his own, you know, his own villa, uh, as if in this poor fisherman, Peter walks in, but Cornelius falls down at his feet. Peter actually reaches down, lifts him up and says, hey, don't worship me. I'm a man just like you. It's a powerful moment. And then in Acts 10, 28 on your outline, Peter told them, you know it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. Again, I want you to see it. Please capture this moment. Just like it was forbidden for a Jewish man to eat the wrong types of food because it would defile you, it was wrong for, the, for Jews to associate with the wrong kind of people with non-Jews, with Gentiles, because Jews thought, well, if I come into a Gentile home, or if I have contact with a Gentile, even if I simply touch a Gentile, then I have to wash my hands because I'm defiled, I'm unclean. But Peter goes into this home, and this is what it says. I want you to see this. Peter said, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or associate with you, but... Now, capture, underline this phrase. God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Underline that phrase. Now, when did God show him this? Friends, it was, it was the dream. In the dream. You see, God was working on Peter to help him become the link of salvation that was not just for the Jews, but it was for all people. See, God was showing Peter that his love was for the world. In fact, I love this quote. It's always inspired me. Do you know Mother Teresa said these words? She said, you have never looked into the eyes of a single person 
who wasn't deeply loved by God. See, it was in this moment that Peter saw Cornelius for who he was. He saw Cornelius through God's eyes, someone who was worthy of love and salvation. And then in Acts 10, 34 through 36, on your outline, he says this, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is what? Lord of all. Underline that phrase, there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, to capture this idea that that Jesus came to be Lord of all, to share God's love with the world, with everyone, I want to tell you a true story that comes from one of my mentors. Pastor Wayne Cordero of New Hope in Hawaii, he tells the story of a little Japanese lady. This little lady was responsible for more people coming to his church and more people accepting Christ than anyone in the whole church. And he tells the story that one time Pastor Wayne was outside the church greeting people, and he met this man who was a dentist. And he asked the dentist, hey, how'd you, how'd you come to New Hope? And tell me your story. And the dentist said, you won't believe it. But I was working in my office. I had an appointment with this little Japanese lady. And immediately, Pastor Wayne knew who it was. He already knew. He said, this little Japanese lady came in. I cleaned her teeth. And then she said, hey, before I leave, I want to invite you to my church. You must come. And he said, well, lady, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm just, she said, he said, you know, I'm just not a religious person. She goes, oh, that's okay, that's okay. Our church is for people who are not religious. You just come. <laughs> he said, no, no, lady, you, you don't get it. I, you know, I, I'm just, I, I'm not a church person. I, I, I never go to church. She goes, oh, oh, that's okay, that's okay. Our church is for people who don't go to church. It's so that you can come and, and have a church. You come. He said, no, no, lady, you, get, you don't get it. I'm not a Christian. She looked and she says, oh, that's okay. That's okay. Because our church is for people who are not Christians. So that you can come and find God's love. You just come. She says, lady, lady, no, no, no. You, you don't understand. I grew up in a Buddhist family. She goes, oh. Well, our church, we love Buddhist family. You just come. You come Buddhist and we don't care. You come says, lady, I don't, and she said, just come one time, and he says, okay, lady, if I come one time, will you back off and leave me, you'll just come, you'll, you'll find God's love, you come, and he said, so I agreed to come one time, and he said, about four months ago, I came to this church, and when I came, I was so warmly welcomed, and then they were singing these songs about how great and loving God was, and it really touched me. And then, Pastor Wayne, you got up and you preached a message about how God loved me so much, he sent Jesus to die for me. He said, you know, it was the first time I ever heard that. He said, I wasn't ready to, like, give my heart to Jesus, but I was so touched that I decided to come back the next week. But the next week, I brought my wife and children with me. Well, they were so touched that we invited our extended family, and they all came. And then the next thing you know, we're inviting our neighbors, our friends. He said, you know, every Sunday over in this section right there, there's about 30 or 40 of us. And we come, we've all accepted Christ. We've all been baptized because there was this little Japanese lady who just said, 
Doesn't matter what religion, what nation, what, what background. You just come. You just come because Jesus is Lord of all. God's love is for everyone. God's love is for the world. Well, this is what Peter was preaching when he gave his message to, to, to Cornelius. And I want you to understand that when he did it, a miracle happened. In fact, it's printed there on your outline. In Acts 10, 44 through 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, sharing the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Like, man, they heard this message and their hearts were ready. I mean, Peter didn't even finish preaching and they were like believing in Christ. And then it says this, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Because up until this point, they were just sharing the love of Jesus with fellow Jews. But now it like it broke through all those barriers. And now the Gentiles were becoming believers. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you underline the phrase the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal life, the gift of God's love had been poured out on the Gentiles Two, and it was such a miracle moment. I can't even begin to describe how important, how significant. So what I want you to do is I want you to see a video of this moment from the, from the uh, TV series, The Bible. I want you to see a picture of this, and then I'll come and we'll wrap up our message. Take a look. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Cornelius is the first Roman to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you are welcome. Come with me, all of you. Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness in his name. Everyone. Come 
me, and I will make you a fisher of men. What are we gonna do? Change the world. Wow, guys, did you see it? That was the moment in history where God was saying, regardless of your race, your country, your nationality, your background, regardless of who you are, you are welcome and wanted and loved by God. I can't even begin to capture in words how significant this moment was for us. But there on your outline, I want you to, to see from Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, what this really means. It says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, one family, meaning that anyone is welcome to the love of God. And once you accept Christ, that means you have a Father in heaven, and every Christ follower becomes your brother, your sister. That means I have brothers and sisters in Christ, in Africa, in Malaysia, in China, in Thailand, in Brazil, in Mexico, all over the world. He's made us one people, one family. See, here's what he did. One people, when he and his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Guys, this moment is saying that God's love is bigger than just you and me. It's for the world. And that has great implications for our church, right? Can I tell you what it means for our church? That means we have to practice Romans fifteen seven that says this. So, what are we supposed to do? Warmly welcome. Warmly welcome each other into the church. Underline that phrase. Just as Christ warmly welcomed you, then God will be glorified. You see, it glorifies God when we open our hearts to receive his love, and then we become the link to share his love with others, and it multiplies that love to all people. And, and friends, look around this room. Do you realize we have the whole world right here in this room, right here in Fremont, right here in the Bay Area, and we are to be the ones to take God's love and share it. And when we do that, I want you to see this picture on the screen behind me. When we say, regardless of where you were born, regardless of what language you speak, regardless of your culture, Jesus Christ loves you so much that he came and died for you. When we share that message, you know what happens? People get saved. People get baptized. The church grows and it multiplies. But for that to happen, we have to warmly welcome people. I love how Pastor Rick Warren says it this way. He says, it seems obvious, but it's often overlooked. For your church to grow, you must what? Be nice to people. Show God's love to people. How do we take this message of Acts 10? Now, here's where it comes to you personally. How do we take it and apply it to our lives? 
Because some of you, God's working on you like he worked on Cornelius. He's getting your heart ready to receive Christ. And some of you, he's working on you like he worked on Peter. So let's talk through these application points. The first one is number one. Have you opened your heart to receive God's love? Yes or no? Now, some of you, the truth is the message of Jesus and God's love is so new, you're not ready. And I want to say that's okay. We're just thrilled and happy that you are here. And we want this to be a safe place where you can investigate Christianity without pressure or fear. But some of you, just like Cornelius, your heart is so ready. And today is your day to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Be my Lord. And so we're going to celebrate that with you. The next way to apply this is, have you obeyed Christ's command to be baptized? Yes or no? Just like you saw in the video, next week we're having a joyful baptism celebration. And for some of you, your first steps in following Jesus as Lord is to obey his command to be baptized, to declare to the world that you belong to Jesus. And I want to say, if God's calling you to take that step, just write on your communication card at the bottom, just write the word baptism. And I'll contact you this week, and you can be baptized next weekend. We're going to have over 15 people baptized next weekend to follow Christ as Lord. And then number three, this is kind of those of us who are already Christ followers. It's really a question about will you be that link to share God's love? Will you share God's love with others in your life? Yes or no? You know, we've given you such an easy way to do that. In your program, we've given you these simple invitations called Unstuck. I want you to think right now, a friend, neighbor, co-worker, someone you can just say, hey, man, our church is starting this new series. I'd love to invite you. They might say, well, you know, I'm not really that religious. That's okay. That's okay. You just, our church is for people who aren't religious. You just come. But, you know, I'm not really a Christian. That's okay. You, Will you, like, be the link to share God's love? Because if you will, some people will open their hearts and come to Christ and be baptized, and you'll be a part of multiplying the church. And that's what I want us to pray for right now. So let's pray together. First of all, Father God, on this Valentine's Day, we want to say thank you for your great love for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven and have life. And I pray now for those who are ready to open their hearts to you. If you want to receive Jesus right now, you can just say in your heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I commit myself to follow you as Lord. And if you'll do that and you'll... God will adopt you into his family, fill you with his love, give you the gift of eternal life, and I hope you'll do that right now. And for the rest of us, will you say, Jesus, as I follow you as Lord, give me the courage to obey you. Give me the courage to be baptized. Give me the courage to reach out and be that link that shares your love so the church can grow and so that we can multiply for Christ's sake. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.